Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. So you're excited about Tenet? I'm more than excited than for Tenet. Like, I can't even explain it. Especially with Corona, you can't do anything. You can't go to the movies. But let alone that every time a Chris Nolan movie comes out, it's like the my biggest it's an event. event that I want to go to that year. Every mm-hmm. year I want to go see the Chris Nolan movie, and I love that he comes out of the movie every two years. I think it's uh, really s- strong by Warner Brothers and him to, to stick to their guns and um, decide to release it in theaters. Yeah, the end so, of the trailer we just watched. Yeah. It says coming, coming to, theaters. to theaters. Yeah, they're like, we're not, we're not going VOD. You're not seeing this on Hulu. This movie costs $250 million. You're going <laughs> to go to the theaters and you're going to sit down and you're going to get some popcorn. And you're and going to like it. You're going to enjoy this movie. <laughs> I love it. He's my favorite director, probably. He's uh, he's incredible. But it's going to be uh, an interesting test to see what the waters of uh, of movie going are going to be like. Because it is not the first movie that's going to be released. Um, Unhinged with Russell Crowe will be the first one released. Mm-hmm. I think it's the on July 7th or something. Um, obviously, that's not going to be a big box office hit, but I think it might do okay. And that will really test the waters... Um, to see, like, oh, people are going to the theaters to see this movie and things seem okay. And then when Tenet comes out on the 17th, that's going to be the real test to be like, are people going to go to the theaters? I will be I there. Think, I think people will go. I will go every week the whole movie, the movie's out. I want Because there's going to be nothing else to see. Yeah. I mean, we used to see, what, a movie almost every week or every couple weeks? I'd say every two weeks Depending for sure. on the time of year, like, yeah. not in, like, March, April when there's no movies coming up, but, mm-hmm. like... Summertime when all these great movies come out, and then the fall when all the great movies come out. But like obviously, summertime is all the action-packed movies, the blockbuster hits. Action-packed. Yeah, and then July is always Chris Nolan. But like, I mean, what last year was Mission Impossible? But um, I'm I'm gonna go, man. Absolutely, I I will go. If they make me wear 13 masks on my face, I will wear 13 <laughs> masks on my face. It doesn't matter. I'm gonna get to the theater. I'm gonna see this movie. Uh-huh. Whatever I have to do. Uh, it'd be great if you could take the mask off, but like, <laughs> dude, I, dude, when the movie's rolling, I'm, I'm taking the mask off. Roll it down. Like, what are they gonna do? Have lights and make sure you keep your mask on? Yeah, I'm curious to see what the uh, the rules will be in the in the theaters. Um, I'm I think that only major chains will be open. Um, yeah. Um, so we'll probably go to an AMC or something maybe, or ArcLight. ArcLight, come on, ArcLight. Yeah, we'll do ArcLight. They got the sound. I love ArcLight. They got that good sound. It's expensive, but it's the best. But I think that people are gonna go. And they're going to see this movie because a perfect example is um, when we went for a walk yesterday down the main drag and there were dozens of people in line to get street food and, and all the seen, I haven't seen so many people out since before. And it's like people, people want to do things and people want to leave their houses and they want to they experience things that they used to experience. So I think that this movie is not going to be as big of a hit as it was going to be. But I still think it's gonna make a lot of money. I, I think, think people are finally well. understanding that like you're gonna be okay. Coronavirus is not gonna affect you. Probably you're gonna be fine, especially if you're under fifty. Yeah. So you can go out and do stuff. You can go to the movies and feel safe. Mm. I mean, we all know that the mask is really more of just for show, and it's really just to protect the elderly and people at risk. But like in theaters, yeah, it'll be a closed off environment. They'll probably do 
uh, at least a seat between people or at least think, between yeah. couples or if, if you're like a couple if you're a family I'm sure you can sit together but like seats in between that mm-hmm. maybe an empty seat behind you who knows what they're gonna do oh put, I didn't think about that put yeah, a behind. plexiglass in front of like <laughs> in between every seat I don't know what they're gonna do but I think people are starting to realize that we're gonna be okay we're gonna make it through this even before the vaccine we can go live go back to living pretty normal lives again if you think about it this is not just a test for the movie industry but this is a test for every industry everything sports too because yeah. sports like we talked about earlier they're they're opening up hopefully mid july end of july so the movie theater will be like their test like can people sit in crowds yeah can absolutely so i think it's a really important thing that has to happen it's it was going to happen inevitably and i think that the fact that it's a chris nolan movie is significant because his fan base is so um fervent and so um, immense and huge and loyal where they turn out to see his movies because they love him. Yeah. So I think this is a perfect example of there are a lot, there are millions of people that want to see this movie really badly. So they're gonna go see it. The trailer is incredible. It's, it's an unbelievable so trailer. Good. Like yeah. you don't know what the hell, just, it's the same thing with Inception. It's the same thing with Interstellar. You don't know really what it's about. You can kind of get a taste of it. Yeah. The trailer is so good. I I'm sure he's in there with the editor figuring out what to do with his trailers. But like it's amazing. Like you don't really know what it's about. John David Washington looks like he like can manipulate time, but can't time travel, interact with the future, interact with the past. And it's just like, who, how does he think of stuff like this? Well, he, well, there's a saying that, um, I, I don't know the exact saying, but it's, it's like the average mind, um, talks about people. The good mind talks about events. And then the great mind talks about ideas Mm -hmm. and his films are always about ideas as a whole. You know what I mean? It's not just about a plot with characters. It's about overarching, very um, grandiose, grandiose and complicated ideas behind the, the, the films, behind the story. So this in particular one, it looks like it's something about um, time manipulation um, and kind of just like playing God in a way. Because mm-hmm. it seems as though characters in the film they go through some kind of process which allows them to be able to travel. Not, It's not like they're traveling to a different time. I think that their timeline starts reversing with the r- normal timeline of time. So like some kind of, I think what happens is you go through some kind of process and you're able to reverse from where you just started. You think it's like an inborn gift or an innate gift? No, like I a- think because... In the film, there were uh, some of the characters are wearing breathing masks, mm-hmm. and it seems like he goes through some kind of initiation process to be part of this um, group of people Maybe, that yeah. can do this. Yeah. So it seems like there's some kind of process in initiation to um, be able to enter this different time of this plane of time mm. manipulation. It's like time travel, with James Bond. Yeah, I love his movies. Always have like a James Bond sense. Well, not like all of them, but like Inception. In this mm. one, kind oh, of like, international yeah. and espionage, just a bunch of rich dudes in really nice suits, <laughs> like getting up to no good, like breaking crime. Yeah, breaking John laws. David Washington's climbing up a building in a perfectly um, tailored polo <laughs> with Robert Pattinson <laughs> in slacks, three piece suits. <laughs> they both look awesome in it. They look like they have really good um, rapport. Uh, rapport together. Yeah, and I can't wait to see uh, Washington because I loved him in Black Klansman. I didn't see him in anything else. I haven't seen his TV show. What was he on? What was he in before Black Klansman? Was he into something? He was on um, the Dwayne Johnson show. 
Ballers? Yeah. Oh, no way. He plays an athlete on it. Well, it's it's he's in the NFL, which is crazy. Oh, was he? Yeah, he was a running back. Oh, no he, way. You didn't know this? No. Nah. He wasn't like a very, like, obviously great running back, but he was in the NFL. Really? For like a couple of years. Oh, I didn't know that. He was like a second, third string guy. Mm. Yeah, that's why it's so cool to see someone like that become so successful somewhere else, especially in like an art form like acting, because he was he's a world-class athlete too, mm. which makes him perfect for action movies. Yeah. I'm sure he's got great discipline. Yeah. And I mean, his dad's Denzel, so his dad, you know, whooped him into shape, I'm sure. Dad, Denzel seems like a good dad. From what I've seen, he he, he preaches a lot about, like, self-worth and self-motivation and um, helping other people. You yeah. know what I mean? And I'm sure he was, like, ecstatic that his son made the NFL. And now he's even more ecstatic that his son's in a Chris Nolan movie. Yeah, the biggest movie of the year. It's the so cool. Most talked about movie of the year. Every time, yeah. It's going to make... His, his movies always make $600 million, at least. It's insane. No matter the genre. It's, that's, so, that's what's so amazing about him because he actually makes you think. He actually brings that like the independent film vibe, the, the great script vibe to a blockbuster-sized movie with the craziest shit you'll ever see. Mm. But it makes you think so much. Like People still think about Inception. People still talk about it. I was it. talking about Inception the other day. Yeah. People still like ask what it's about, and they ask like what happens in the end. It's like it's up to you what happens in the end. I think this is going to have a similar um, ambiguous um, takeaway mm. as well. Rather than well, Interstellar was pretty much this is what happened. Well, no, they left no, it open. He left, yeah, it, left open it open. Yeah, you're right. Yeah. Never mind. What am I thinking? There's, it's open to interpretation. In you're right. Interstellar. He does. He does consistently. The only thing that's not is Dunkirk. Yeah, that's in the Batman movie. But I love how he made uh, uh, an actual non-fictional movie too. You never really see that from a director like him. What? Like a sci-fi dramatic or action director making a a, a non-fictional based story. What do you mean non-fiction? Don Dunkirk's real. Oh, well, it's fiction, though. Yeah, but yeah. it really happened. Well, I mean, that's like saying that movie's never made based on true events. Compared to Inception, it's pretty different. <laughs> Compared to Interstellar, it's a little no, more, yeah. it's a little more no, non-fiction. <laughs> you know? But you know what I mean? Because it is, is far, I mean, he's making Batmans. I know, but when you say non-fiction, that's documentary. Okay, all right, you're probably right. <laughs> but you know what I mean? Like, it was I like a real event. Yeah. Real events. Well, Spielberg did the same. Does the same thing. He did Schindler's List and then Indiana Jones. Indiana Jones is like completely fictional. I said he did Schindler's List and then Indiana Jones. Oh, I thought you meant Indiana Jones yeah. in the category of like it's nonfiction. No, both. <laughs> Imagine if there really was a real life Indiana Jones. Uh, that would, he would be the coolest guy. There probably is somewhere out there. He's just like he's no, a combination of different things. He's just not on Instagram, so no one knows who he is. <laughs> not anymore. <laughs> but um. Yeah, this film it's it's very interesting, and the trailer seems like it doesn't give anything away, but it looks great. I'm curious to see, um, to hear Ludwig um, Van Gorenson's score for it because Hans isn't doing the score. Because Hans is busy doing Dune. Yeah. Which you know what you gotta do Dune play a, you gotta do that Hans. Can't play him for that. That but, I can't wait to but see. But Van Gorenson just won the Oscar, so. Um, two years ago for yeah. for Black Panther. Yeah. So he's he's real good, and he did uh, the Mandalorian score. I don't. I've never watched the show, except for one episode. But I like the score a lot. I listened to a little bit of the Mandalorian score. It's it's pretty good. Yeah. I, I'm not gonna watch that show though. I watched the first. No episode. freaking way! Like, I'll watch any first. Star Wars shows. Maybe <laughs> if there's an Obi Wan Kenobi show with Ewan McGregor, I'll watch that. Maybe I'd watch that. Maybe I'd watch that. But like, it'd have to be cool, man. How can you mess that up though? Yeah, it's like you can't. You can't mess up. An Obi-Wan Kenobi show with Ewan McGregor? That'd be so cool. I, mean, I can't wait. I hope I hope it happens. It'd be amazing. I mean, think it could play, take place like while he while Luke Skywalker's a little kid. 
and he's protecting him from afar. But he's pretty old now. Yeah, but Obi-Wan's old in the first Star Wars. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Never so mind. My Luke, bad. My when bad. Luke's a little kid. My bad. I wasn't even thinking about that. And then Obi-Wan's like, he's living like kind of nearby. It'll probably be like that things. show Gotham. Yeah. Where Bruce Wayne's a kid. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. I don't, they, maybe they'll make, I actually, you're right. They'll definitely make Luke a character. Yeah. There's no way they couldn't. You're right. You came Fans up with Fans would go crazy for that. Dude, the Star Wars fanatics would just be, <laughs> oh, Luke's got one. Oh, Luke's got one. Baby Luke. <laughs> <laughs> Like the baby Yoda stuff. Yeah. Oh my god. The Disney's smart, man. They know how to market people. Let's make a baby Yoda and we'll turn it into a doll. Dude, people went ape shit for that. It's the biggest meme of the year. Baby Yoda. Oh my god. But um it's, it's funny speaking of uh John David Washington, because I watched a Denzel movie last night. Um, The Equalizer Two. Is it good? It's fucking awesome. I, I like the first one, it's pretty good. This one was better. Really? It was awesome. Who directed it? Fakua, Antoine. Did he really? Did he, he did the first one too, right? Yeah. Wow. I didn't Antoine, know man. That's pretty cool. Denzel's it, the man, dude. They're both awesome. The goat, man. It was fin- oh, dude, it was so it was great. You can see that John David Washington has like some has the, has some of his father and some of that charm. He's but got, it, he's got his voice too. His voice. It's, it's similar and a little different too. It's a little more high pitched. Wait till you watch him in something like like it's uh, like when I watch Black Klansman, I'm like, oh my god, it's Denzel. No, yeah, talking. me too. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. And he looks a lot like him too. Mm-hmm. The mannerisms for sure, he's very similar. Mm-hmm. But just the confidence, he exudes confidence. You can tell, and he looks like he's he's gonna kill it in this movie. You need to have confidence to be able to lead a movie like this. Absolutely. Because imagine getting hired. This is like, like, you just made a Spike Lee movie, which was. It's a big deal, but that movie probably had a thirty million dollar budget yeah, tops. Yeah. And now you're you're talking about a. 200- people saw it, but not like yeah. this. And then now you're talking about a movie with two hundred fifty million dollars behind it and a crew of two hundred people every day working. Together. And like one of the most legendary living directors alive. Well, Spike Lee is too. Yeah, but um, but this I'm talking about the size of it. Like this movie was so big that um the entire crew traveled together. And they would book um, huge airliners to fly from country to country, the entire crew of the film. So, like, 200, 300 people flying. Like, they just bought out the whole plane to go to, to go like, Istanbul or go to wherever else so they're filming. cool. That'd be so and cool. And they, they, they go to a city and they take it over. Like, hundreds of people, not just the crew, and then they hire crew in the cities to help. Mm-hmm. And it's, like, hundreds of people are involved in every scene of this. And, like, the set pieces in this scene... What I've read is they're like the biggest set pieces he's done so far. In practical sense. Practical sense. And um, I think there's five or six huge set pieces in this movie. Well, dude, he's cr- he really crashed the 747 into a building. Yeah. Because he's like, well, we did the numbers and it seemed more, it turned out to be more efficient to actually use a real 747 instead of CGI. I believe that. Yeah. Because he's like, I, we were going to use miniatures and models and like explosion effects and CGI, but it's like, mm. it's cheaper to just crash a fucking plane I, into I a building. It. Yeah. That's crazy. It. Yeah. And the cameras, the shots of it are so cool. Like how? Well, first of all, you can't really get a bad shot of a plane crashing into a building. But then you have Hoyt Van Hoyt filming it. So cool, man! <laughs> so bad. Hoyt's gonna be his guy from from now on. Yeah, forever. Sure Wally got the cut. Well, I I don't know what Wally's doing. I th- my guess is that he's making commercials now. He's not. He, I he's he's not like on a movie or anything. I don't yeah. Think. Well, my guess is he's directing commercials. You, you can look up on IMDb right there. I have. No, no films or anything. Yeah. So he's probably filming commercials and ads, making a ton of money. But yeah, maybe he just doesn't want the movie life of like the. No, he lost Warner Brothers two hundred million dollars. You can't get a movie. After oh yeah, that. with Transcendence. Yeah, you can't. No one will ever give you money. If Do you, you think he just wouldn't want to go back to being a cinematographer only? You think I don't he, think he would want to. You think yeah. he's he's good I think enough after to be a director? You, I think if you make a big film like that, um, 
he was probably like, uh, I'm not going to be someone else's boss ever I, again. I guess it's kind of like football when you're like a head coach for, for like 10 years. You can't then, be an assistant again. But I mean, Jason Garrett, though, for the Cowboys, not to get yeah. off topic, but yeah. like he was, had no other option. Yeah. But I mean, I guess Wally has plenty of money in the bank. He's okay. He probably doesn't. I, I mean, I understand he wouldn't want to be the number two. Well, not even the number two, but like just when you're a cinematographer, you're, just, you're part of the crew that the director's in charge of and mm-hmm. overseeing. But uh, I'm sure after Transcendent, Transcendence, he couldn't get another film made because it was a big loss. And so my guess is he's making a ton of money directing commercials and ads. And it, it seems like Chris has no problem like not working with someone ever again. He's a professional, I think. Yeah, he's just it's not like uh yeah. he gets to it he gets attached to people, but like he has no problem being like, all right, yeah, you're just not gonna be in the next movie. You're not yeah. gonna be part of it. Yeah. And I think that might who knows what happened between them, but I mean Wally's great at what he but does. But it is interesting because um Nolan put up money for transcendence, so I'm sure he lost like thirty mil. Yeah. Maybe they wow, yeah, you're probably right. Maybe they had a falling out. They could have. I I doubt it, but they could have. I mean, it was because Transcendence was a Warner Brothers sin copy and I think legendary co-production. What a bad movie, dude. Yeah. What a bad freaking and it made, movie. I think it made like $50 million op- overall. I still don't get how they read the script for that movie and were like, oh, this would be great. Uh, the thing is like when the names are behind it and they had a Johnny Depp. When you have Johnny Depp, especially, it makes screenlining something a lot easier. True, and I'm sure when they give like the actual presentations to the studio, it's like Chris is in the room. No and one ever, no one ever sits out to make a bad movie. Yeah. You know what I mean? No, everyone, yeah, yeah. everyone has the best intentions, and just some people just keep, like it doesn't work. You know? I would, but I would have read the script and been like, this vision is too complicated, and it just doesn't make a lot of sense. Yeah. And like, it's your first movie. You should probably start with something small. I mean, yeah. take it easy. I think that he should have done something small too. You're going straight from yeah, you've been working on blockbuster movies the whole your whole career for like the last twenty years, but like you're not in charge of the blockbuster movie. Mm-hmm. You didn't. You're not directing it. You're not in charge. Of, you're only, you're in charge of the cinematography. Yeah, it's a huge department on a film, but like that's it, man. You're yeah. not. You don't have to worry about anything else. Mm-hmm. You don't have to worry about the whole entire ship running. Yeah. And the writing and the script and everything. You're just worried about like, does this look amazing or not? Mm-hmm. That's all you got to do. Yeah. But uh, yeah, was, uh, I'm sure that's what he's doing now. Yeah, probably just making bank. But the thing is, like, with someone like Nolan, is like his vision. He keeps it consistent and it's clear, so it doesn't matter who the cinematographer is. It's gonna look lens the same. Like you couldn't even tell it's not Wally almost. Yeah, because it's it's Nolan's um, vision, and he's telling them what he wants, and they're they're applying their knowledge to to achieve the the things that he wants to look. Yeah, I would say Interstellar looked different than the rest of his other movies because that was the first one Hoyt did. Yeah, but aside from that, this one looks—it looks like Inception. Mm-hmm. It looks exactly like Inception. Yeah. Well, it's film, a lot of film and a lot of practical lights. It all—it just looks the same. I love the shot in the trailer of of them, the three of them talking like in the middle of like yeah, just, just like LA classic Inception, Inception shot. Just like a 360 shot of them talking around with <laughs> coming people. up with going over some plan, a it, crazy plan. And that's definitely like in the middle of a montage where yeah. we're getting a lot of uh, exposition, doing a lot of training. Getting, I don't, getting dude. I could watch that for hours. Pre-mission stuff. Uh, me, Tom yeah. Hardy will just show up around the corner. Yeah. <laughs> Kick JGL out of his chair. I feel like there's someone in this movie that we don't know about. Same thing with Matt Damon in Interstellar. Maybe. I think it's possible. Because it would make sense to have like another big name in there. He I, Damon had a big role in Interstellar. No one knew he was Dude, in it. Dude, I forgot Matt Damon was in that movie. I remember hearing about it before the movie came out. He plays the out. antagonist, man. And then I yeah. totally forgot about it. They did such a good job like m- making it seem like he's not even in the movie at all. And then 
He comes out in Interstellar when they reveal like Matt Damon. an hour Damon. and a half into the movie. And I was like, oh my. I like pointed at the screen. I, I was like. I remember in the theater when he, it was revealed that it, the person in the box was him. The entire, I feel like the entire audience gasped like. No, absolutely. Yeah. <gasps> the entire audience. Everyone did. It was a great reaction. Great reveal. That was one of the best reveals I've ever seen in my life. It was yeah. so cool. Yeah. Was like, they did such a good job. Yeah. He wasn't even on the build cast or nothing. nothing. He didn't do any interviews. No press. No photos. I bet it was like a dream job for him. He gets to make a Nolan movie and no press at all. Yeah, that's you pretty awesome. Me? No press. <laughs> he doesn't have to answer the same question. And he gets to play a villain, which he never really gets to do. Yeah. Which is cool. He's like a, he's like a. Good villain, but An like empathizable. Yeah, villain. but like, oh man, that movie—that was such a good reveal. But I, I'm looking. I can't wait to see Kenneth Branagh as the villain on this one. Is he the villain? Yeah, he's got a Russian accent. He's definitely the villain. <laughs> well, I mean, you could say that Ken Watanabe was kind of like the same kind of role that he's in. Maybe they're trying to accomplish something. No, technically, I'm, Ken Watanabe's a villain. Ken in, Watanabe in, 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 what? in Inception. No, he's not. Kind of. He's he's making he's them. He's part of the team. But the team, what's the mission? He's the catalyst of the story. Yeah, but the mission is to destroy another company. No, the villain is each per, is the uh, the villain is time itself, I guess. No, but in terms of like they're being kind of a bad guy, Ken Watanabe's kind of a bad guy. He, no, he's not the bad guy. He, they had the choice to do the job or not. Yeah, but I know that. I know that they had the choice, but it's still sketchy that they're trying to bring down an entire other corporation. Yeah, but Ken Watanabe was trying to save an industry. From his, from no, he's trying to save his company. No, but if you, like, he says, like, the entire industry is going to be dominated by this and no other, like, they're going to. He could have been, been just jerking them <laughs> off, man. He's like, oh, yeah, if we don't, if we don't uh, stop this company, they'll take over the world. <laughs> <laughs> you never thought about yeah, that? Yeah, I guess he did have some self-interest in, in the Completely plot. self-interested. <laughs> Completely. But it's like it's like getting McDonald's like McDonald's is hiring Leo DiCaprio to just to bring down Burger King. <laughs> That's what it was. <laughs> it's the same thing. It's a good point. But uh, Kenneth Branagh definitely looks like the villain in this. Could be because he's he's That's prejudice Russian against accent. Russian people. No, That's prejudice. no, no. He's talking to John David Washington in that threatening manner in the trailer, and then he's in the car. He's got Elizabeth Debicki. He's doing the countdown in his hands, and she's crying. So clearly, he's holding her against his will. So I, I'm guessing he's the antagonist. He's probably the villain. You're probably right. <laughs> I'm, I'm cool. I'm glad she's in it. I think she's awesome. I like her yeah. a lot in uh, Man from Uncle. She's in really Widows. Good. She's a really good villain. Oh, yeah. She's in Widows, too. Yeah. She's pretty good. That movie's pretty cool. Which one? Widows. Oh, it's great. Yeah. Unbelievable. But she's awesome in, in Man from Uncle. Yeah. She's a really good villain. Really creepy. But she seems like a good guy. Mm. She seems like a good guy in this one. But I, uh, Kenneth Branagh is awesome. I bet he's going to keep working with Nolan a lot. Yeah. I mean... Cause what they did Dunkirk and they do just Dunkirk just Dunkirk yeah, but they have a, they're they're very similar. Kenneth Branagh has directed a ton of films yeah, and he was a uh, one of the biggest um, users of uh, IMAX of sixty five and seventy millimeter uh, film mm-hmm. in the nineties. He oh, he yeah. he made a lot of uh, Shakespeare adaptations. Yeah, he's a big theater yeah, uh, director. He, he did uh, King Richard and he did Hamlet. Um, and something else, and he shot them all in 65 millimeter. It's pretty cool. Yeah, he's a very cool a guy. Outside of like England, pr- people don't really understand like his impact on films. Probably. Yeah, he was. Well, he was. His biggest was in the 90s. So people, people don't like, even know he directed Thor. Yeah, which is pretty cool. I wish they didn't do the blonde eyebrows, but you know, <laughs> the blonde beard. Oh my god, Thor one, he looks so. They're bad. definitely still trying to figure things out. He's jacked as fuck, but he, he looks like a like an action figure. He literally <laughs> looks like an action figure. Bleach in that blonde movie. beard, bleach blonde beard, bleach blonde uh, goatee or uh, eyebrows, bleach blonde hair. It's just like 
What the? They probably bleached his fucking calf hair. They went a little too close to the uh, to the comic book. Dude, a little, a little much, a little much. Mm. They figured it out. Yeah, eventually. I mean, just Rad- let Hemsworth look like Hemsworth. Literally, <laughs> just, like, just have him be him. They, the last Thor is just, just Chris Hemsworth. Why would they change him? <laughs> Hemsworth is like a god on earth and like, oh, he doesn't look good enough. What are you talking about? <laughs> look at that guy. That's a man. Gets his haircut in Thor Ragnarok. I'm like, oh, jeez. Yeah, but his haircut in Thor Ragnarok is a Chris Hemsworth haircut. <laughs> That's what I mean, yeah. I was just like, oh, he's back. Thank God. <laughs> I'm actually uh, I'm curious to see Christian Bale in the new one in the new uh, Marvel Thor. so he's the villain in Thor he's gonna play the, the villain alright I'll see that <laughs> I'll see that I mean I don't they, I mean they better not um, uh, CGI him uh, no I, I well actually you never know but cause Chris Nolan I mean Christian Bale always picks only like really good roles it's interesting to see him pick a Marvel role it's got to be good. And to see the impact that it's having on, like, a tour actors, because he really only works with great stories and great directors. Christian Bale's never made a bad movie. And, like, it's the script's got to be real good. The idea's got to be real good. It's got to be a fun character. I, I bet it's a chance for him to play his comedy talents. Because Thor Ragnarok was awesome. Yeah. That might be one of the top I, it's three. My, it's my favorite Marvel movie. It's, it's really three. funny. Like, that and Winter Soldier are, like, my favorite ones. But Ragnarok was hilarious. The first so, time I saw it, funny. cracking up the yeah. whole time. Very and it's actually good. Yeah. It's really good the whole time. There was There's not really that many bad things to say about it. I mean, Matt Damon had a cameo, too. But, like, there's got to be a reason why Christian Bale... Is gonna be in. A it's gotta Marvel be. Movie. It's gotta be an awesome role. Everyone else is like, yeah, whatever. They're all just getting paid, like whatever. <laughs> They're getting paid. They don't give a fuck. Getting that Marvel money. Who cares? Just get paid. <laughs> but that's the thing. I'll watch anything Christian Bale does. So true. And it's not like he needs money. I mean, he did three Batman movies. He's gotten paid. He's probably got like a hundred mil in the bank. Or he's probably three. made a hundred mil just from Batman. Mm-hmm. If you talk about uh, uh, back end incentives and royalties. Yeah, he's set for life. Yeah, he's fine. He's such a cool guy. He deserves it. I love that guy. He yeah. seems like a great guy. Every time, every interview I've seen of him, he just seems like, oh, what a good guy. I wish I was as nice as him. <laughs> Still drives his old car and everything. Wears jeans from the like two thousands. Yeah, like if I was like, if I was super sneakers. rich, I, I I wouldn't ball out too hard. You know, I would I would I'm I'm really like interested in, in like saving money long term now. Yeah, I would get like a cool car. Nothing crazy. I'd get a, a new Subaru. I'd get like a Subaru. <laughs> They're pretty cool now. You're such a dork. <laughs> I wouldn't get, I mean, like, obviously, like, it's so cool to think, oh, I get like a Ferrari, I get like a Porsche GTR 30S, but like, just get me like why a. Do you, cool, why do you need a $700,000 car? Give me like why a, does anyone need a $700,000 car? That's an expensive car. That's, that's a lot is, of money. What car is, that's a race car. A lot of people are starving in the world and you want to spend, people want to spend, Almost a million dollars in like one one of their I wanna, cars. I just want like a modified, like a modern modified like muscle car that's completely rebuilt from the inside and has like Bluetooth and like a yeah. like a good air conditioner. I'm sure you can do that for fifty thousand. That's not that much. You can do it for like a hundred? No, like a hundred. Drop a hundred. <laughs> I want it to be like pimped out. I want it to be nice. <laughs> Pimp my ride. Yeah. Remember that show? Oh, Pimp my ride. Who's the host? Which rapper was it? Exhibit. 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 Or was that? Yeah, exhibit, exhibit yeah. yeah. What a ridiculous show. <laughs> what a ridiculous show. That that, that show fed the uh, idea of uh, souping up cars big time. But it, it the cars were, like, shitty. They would, like, yeah. just put, like, Gucci, like, upholstery Yeah, they would it. just, like, take a, a random car, 
And then take it to the garage and put like Prada print and yeah. I like, remember watching like, oh, this is so cool. Yeah, when you're 12, it's cool. <laughs> oh my god, what a bad show. <laughs> MTV man, what kind of car do you think Chris Nolan drives? I think Nolan drives some kind of uh, small SUV. I could see that if he even drives. He probably doesn't drive that often. Yeah, it's precious cargo. <laughs> this is a point. He doesn't where even he, have a phone. He's like a president. He doesn't have a phone. That's right. I wouldn't have a phone if I didn't have to. I mean, if you didn't have to, I wouldn't. His wife is his, is his producing partner, so she handles everything. Yeah. If he needs to like talk to someone, I'm sure she just and he's got assistance. He's got assistance, yeah. So it's not like he's Publicist. not like he's incapable of communicating. Yeah. If I if I had that power that that uh, freedom to not need to own a phone, I wouldn't own a phone. I get that. I get that. There's no need for it. Do you know? Uh, did you hear, have you heard the story about his email? Yeah, you've told me like right. 18 times. <laughs> You've told me the story about Chris Nolan's email 18 times. Why don't you tell the viewers and listeners? No, I mean, you're a, jer- you're a jerk. I'm not being a jerk. I'm just because you ask me a question. You do it all the time. You ask me a movie question that you've, we've talked about like 13. What do you want me to do? Just say it or ask and say it like you don't, like, don't think you know it? Or? No, you asked me the question like you, you like I didn't know. but you I'm know, asking you if you know. But you know I know. I wasn't sure. <laughs> tell it. No, nah, forget it. Tell it. Everyone, everyone wants to know now. <laughs> Well, uh, I, I think like, uh, like maybe five or six years ago, he was given an email by Warner Brothers. They're like, here, this is your email. And he, he forgot about it. And um, he signed on to it because people were like, hey, there are important people that are emailing you and they're wondering why you're ignoring them. <laughs> and then he, then he opened up his email and he's like the top directors and producers in, in Hollywood were sending him emails trying to communicate with him. So and he <laughs> didn't respond to any of them for like a month. Dude, who cares? Call him. He, he'll figure it out. Call his wife. Like Bill Murray on his 1-800 number. He has a 1-800 number? That's how you uh, hire Bill Murray. Does anyone know it? So he, so Bill Murray has a cell phone, but it's a 1-800 number. And um, you can't call him. All you can do is leave a voicemail. He won't, answer to, he won't answer the phone. So you call him and leave a voicemail, and he'll listen to the voicemail. And if he's interested in talking to you, he'll call you back. But um, only a few people know the number, and you have to be like, you have to have like talents, or you need to be well known by him to be able to get the number. Well, can you imagine a guy like that if his number was out, even yeah. not even just to the public, but like in Hollywood with actors and stuff and producers? Mm-hmm. You imagine how many time, how many phone calls he'd get? A day? Oh yeah, he'd probably get a thousand phone calls a day at least. He doesn't even have an agent. That's pretty cool. He hasn't had an agent for decades. That's like Paul Newman never had an agent. Yeah, he he. He listens to voicemails, and if he likes, some, he likes the, the producer or filmmaker or writer, he'll call them back and talk about the project. That's how Wes Anderson first got him. That's pretty cool. But uh, it actually it, uh, worked uh, uh, negatively one time for uh, one of his roles. You know how he voiced Garfield, the cat? Yeah. What happened was uh, someone, the producer and writer, um, his name is Ethan Cohen, E-T-H-A-N, but it's pronounced Eaton. Like Ethan, mm-hmm. and um, so he left. He's like, "Hey, this is Ethan." Oh, I think he's. I think it is pronounced Ethan. So, like, hey, this is Ethan Cohen. I'm making a Garfield movie. I'd love for you to voice Garfield. And so Bill Mar- Bill Murray listened to it. He's like, "Oh, is that like Ethan Cohen? Like Joel and Ethan Cohen? The Cohen brothers are making <laughs> Garfield." So then he called him back. And he's like, "Yeah, I'd love to do the movie." So he signed on to voice Garfield, and then he found out that it wasn't the Cohen brothers. It was, <laughs> it was just this guy Ethan Cohen. <laughs> it's like the worst. So movie that's ever. how that's how he got the role of Garfield. That's so funny because <laughs> you know he hates that movie. No, he did a sequel. 
Did he? Yeah. Well, how come what was it in Zombieland? They're like when he's like playing yeah. himself. He's like, yeah. what do you regret? He's like, this maybe Garfield. <laughs> <laughs> it's just him poking fun at himself. Yeah. He but that's how, how that's how he signed on to do Garfield. It's he thought it was funny. the Coen Brothers they made making a sequel it. to Garfield. Yeah. Jesus. It's uh Garfield, and he has a brother who's British. I liked Garfield the comic strip when I was a kid. I loved it. It was my favorite one. Yeah. But I don't oh know. yeah, we used to watch it in the we used to read it in the funny papers. Yeah, in the funnies in the funny pages, kid. Yeah, we look at the funny pages and the weather. But I'll see how that would work. But I guess I want to see um Sonic though. So Sonic's supposed to be funny. Yeah, I'd watch it for Jim Carrey. Yeah. Yeah. I guess did you hear Adam Sandler was watching it and he called Jim Carrey from the theater to tell him how funny it was? <laughs> I don't know. I don't understand why that's a news story. <laughs> Slow news day. <laughs> There's nothing else that going on. That was like on. headlines on every website for a day. This is before like the... Adam Sandler called Jim Carrey. Dude, there were, this was like two weeks ago. There was I nothing know. going on. I remember. I'm like, why are we talking about this? Because it's just Corona going on. <laughs> nothing. The, the not like the little bit of news you hear is just like <laughs> blows up. Oh, we're gonna watch Uncut Gems soon. Yeah, that movie's great. I can't wait. Mon- tomorrow night. Tomorrow night. Tuesday. Yeah. Either one. That movie's amazing. I can't believe he didn't get nominated for an Oscar. It's because the movie didn't get nominated for an Oscar. And he's a comedian. Yeah. It's a bummer. Yeah, he didn't get nominated for Punch Drunk Glove. Punch Drunk Glove is amazing. Paul Thomas Anderson's the guy. Yeah. He's the man. He's the man. Yeah, if your movie doesn't get if the movie doesn't get Oscar attention, your actors most likely aren't gonna get Oscar attention. Unless it's like the right story. Or unless it's Meryl Streep or Daniel Day Lewis, they're gonna get nominated no matter what, because they're so good. Meryl Streep takes a shit and she gets nominated for an Oscar. Yeah, it's a really good shit. It's a really, <laughs> really dramatic shit. It's a fantastic shit. Very believable. It's a unique character, that shit. <laughs> <laughs> nah, she's great. I love her older movies, too. Yeah, she's pretty good. <laughs> she's all right. She's the goat. She's one of the goats, man. I think Daniel Day's the goat. She's like top three. She's she's one of the best to ever do it for sure. Yeah, I think he is the best to ever do it. Yeah, I don't think anyone will ever be as good as him because of what he gives his roles and in terms of like giving his life to his roles. You get there's something. It's pretty amazing. He's he's won three Oscars and he's only made like fifteen movies. Mm-hmm. He's he's made he's won three Oscars, and he makes a fraction of the movies that someone else his age has made. Yeah, Meryl Streep makes a movie a year. She's I think she's got seventeen or eighteen nominations. Yeah, which is insane. Yeah. Absolutely. So like if he made as many movies as she did, but also you get to factor in like he can't do that because of his his process is different from her process. Yeah. You know? Because he's, he's probably spends a year getting ready. Oh, yeah. Half a At year. At least. Half a year getting into the role. He was living as Abraham Can Lincoln in Virginia. That, yeah. Being Abraham Lincoln and like coming his wife coming home to that all the time. She must uh, she must get used to it. But she's, uh, she's a filmmaker herself, so she understands it. Gotcha. Her name's uh, Rebecca Miller. She's made a few mo- movies. But, like, still, like, one day you just got to come home and be like, Daniel, just stop with the Abraham Lincoln <laughs> bullshit for one night. Oh, my God. Gonna, I can't you, take it. You're going to have imagine how you're going to have sex with Abe Lincoln. I don't want to have sex with Abraham Lincoln tonight. Can it just be you? Can it just be you for once? Put away the top hat. Oh, my Rebecca, God. Rebecca, we've got to do this. We've got to plant the seed. All you're doing is eating I'm steak. I'm the president. Steak and milk every night for dinner. <laughs> My God, I I wonder what he's doing right now. Chilling. I'm curious. Cobbling. Yeah. Writing. I remember, uh, like, literally two days after I got my flip phone, 
there was a photo of him online on a flip phone in a park texting. <laughs> and I was like, oh, man, that's awesome. <laughs> I mean, it gave me, it made me real feel good about myself. <laughs> I was like, okay, I'm not, I'm not totally crazy. I was like, if he's doing it, then I feel good about doing it. No, man, go for it. I mean, you do you. Like, I can't. I don't do it because of what I do. Like, I can't not have a smartphone yeah, no, with yeah. the content. I mean, it'd be nice not to, but I got I to gotta do it. I got to be on it every day. Yeah, but I, I, I can't help but feel like it's attractive to me, like, to be able to be cut off. Like, I'm sure he's cut off from so much stuff. Yeah. Like, I enjoy being cut off. Because like a lot of people just don't know how to focus on what really matters in your life and what's going to affect you in the long haul. Yeah. And, like, there's so many things that are just pointless. They're futile to even think about. Mm-hmm. There's no point even looking at it. Yeah, I, I just don't waste my headspace with things that do, that don't matter to me, honestly. Yeah, I wouldn't be able to I write every day like you do or, and create and come up with ideas all the time if I was just busy jerking off on, on Instagram all day. But, like, you got to put – <laughs> I go on Instagram every day, but I still put in work. I, get, I do my work every day. Come up with ideas, writing scripts, editing, filming. I, get, I do stuff every day. Mm-hmm. So you know, it justifies the habit, and and he's he's a inspiration for me because of his commitment to his craft, um, and how he's able to shut everything else out and just focus. Like, can you think of anyone else who focuses as much as him on their craft? Like, only like a few people do. You know what I mean? Yeah, maybe some athletes. Yeah, some athletes. Like the guy got real tattoos for a movie. You know. Are those for a movie? This is for a boxing? No, like he has a ton of tattoos, but yeah, he's tatted he up. He got tattoos on his hand when he played a boxer. No way. Yeah, for the movie. Yeah, he's insane. Yeah, he got real tattoos. Can you imagine if he ever played an amputee? And he actually uh, fought in an amateur bout. He'd cut his leg off. He fought in an amateur boxing bout before <laughs> the movie, because he trained so hard and he got so good. Mm-hmm. And he actually got he he actually did a professional amateur fight. Did he lose the fight or win? I think he won. That's crazy. I gotta look that up. Yeah. <laughs> He's the most believable boxer, I think. He looks like a boxer, kind of. He's just got, like, that gritty look to him. Mm. Well, that's the thing with his face, and especially his nose, he's got, like, it looks like it's been broken. He's got a face. Like mine that... and compared to yours. <laughs> Someone broke my nose. When but, I uh, he has, Danny Lewis has this face that is suited to period pieces. Oh, yeah, absolutely. Like, he, he seeing him in a modern film wouldn't really make sense. Seeing him in normal outfits, it looks weird. Yeah. It look, doesn't make sense. But seeing him in period pieces, like, any kind of period, like, he, it's like, okay, I, I believe this. He's like... A, he's Abe Lincoln, yeah. Like, I believe it, no problem. He's a guy in, in 18 in 19th century New York. Yeah. Believable. Yeah, he's Bill Butcher. Looks, yeah, I believe that for sure. Yeah. You know what I mean? But also, each role, like, he looks... He not only looks completely different yeah his mannerisms are different but like he always has something incredibly different about his hair and um i mean last of the moicons he looks doesn't look like himself at all yeah not at all pretty nice and like phantom thread like clean shaven gray slick black hair you know love that guy yeah he's he's, he's insane he's a treasure i hope he makes another one we'll see nah he's done He's, Unless he's, Paul, you know, he's, he's retired twice. You know, Paul Thomas Sanders would be like, yo, I got this idea. You're going to play a gardener. <laughs> or Marty. You're going to play a gardener <laughs> who loves the roses. The auspicious gardener. It's <laughs> <laughs> Paul Thomas Sanders' next movie. You know, he'd be like, the oh, man. Gardener. Oh, that sounds so good. <laughs> I've always wanted to play a gardener. <laughs> <laughs> the dude, he was retired for five years, and Scorsese talked him into Kings in New York. Wow. He was, he was retired. He became a professional cobbler. And he was living in, I think, Italy. Mm-hmm. And then uh, Scorsese and his producing partner 
they had the gang script and they were trying to get it going and they're like, um, you know who would be perfect for this is Daniel Day, mm-hmm. but they're like, oh, he's retired though. So they reached out to him and they reached out to him like several times and he kept rejecting it and turning it down because they made Age of Innocence together in the nineties. Mm-hmm. Um, so they've worked together before. And then he finally he finally said yes to it after like a year of courtship. That's why I love Marty. Like he like any other director really would have been like, oh, I'll just find someone else. Yeah, he's like, we need him. That's the only way we can. That's make this movie. he's like, I need we need to have Daniel Day Lewis. He's, the only, he's yeah. the only person that can pull this off. Even with Leo signed on, yeah, you can't do it without Daniel Day. Yeah, that's it's it. necessary. Yeah, like so who cool. else could have played Bill the Butcher, man? No one. Like who could pull that off the way he did? I don't think anyone could have. Like he's like I think that's his most underrated role. He's so good in that movie. I think that's his most iconic role, though. I, I think uh, over time his most iconic role will be Lincoln, especially because he won the Oscar for it. Dude, no one saw Lincoln. <laughs> no one saw that movie. I watched that People movie. Saw Lincoln. Dude, I fell asleep. I know. But Fifteen was... times when I saw that movie. Yeah, because you can't pay attention. I'm talking. I can't pay attention pretty well, but that movie was boring. It was the movie about here's a bunch of old white guys talking. <laughs> Here's another room with a bunch of old white guys talking. Yeah, well, that's what it was. Here's another bunch of that's old white happened. guys talking. Here's another, yeah, well, it was very boring. <laughs> and it was like seven hours long. But I'm I, talking, I, I, I have to agree, like, Gangs is way more entertaining. Iconic in terms of, like, cult following. When, peop, when people think Daniel Day-Lewis, the average person, when you bring it up, they think... There will be blood. Oh, mm, Bill the Butcher, yeah. man. No, I think there will be blood. Daniel Plainview. I still, I don't think a lot of people have even seen There Will Be Blood. Over time, they have. More people saw Not when it came out. More people saw Gangs in New York as Leo's in it. Yeah, it, it made more money for sure. But that, but I, it's a good argument because I think Bill the Butcher is, like, I think it's one of the best um, villains in film history. Top, yeah, he's, for sure. He, he's unbelievable. In that Super movie. evil. His accent is just like every, his clothes, everything about him. His greasy hair. He looks like you he's know in that paint. dude didn't take a shower for dude, two months. Yeah, yeah. There's no way Daniel Lewis showered at all. Yeah, his wife was like. Daniel, can you just shower? You smell like shit. (laughs) Be quiet, woman, or I'll gut you. His fucking accent. This is a kill. That's a kill. (laughs) That's pretty good. But he's uh, he's endlessly intimidating in that movie. Yeah. Endlessly intimidating. Disturbing. It's like him and uh, Anthony Hopkins as Hannibal Lecter are just, I think, two two incredible villain. Oh, we should do an episode on best villains. That, that would be a really good episode. Oh, yeah, we definitely should. We'll make a top 10 list or something. Mm-hmm. But um, that the Anthony Hopkins one is crazy. I think he was only on screen for 17 minutes. I thought it was less than that. It's like 12. No, it's like 17. Yeah. He's got plenty of scenes after, uh, aside from uh, the um, Clarice scenes with the SWAT team and well, stuff. Yeah, in the, in the cage, in the jail. Yeah, in yeah. The cage. And then cutting that I think he's got like 17 minutes or something. Anytime someone cuts someone's face off and wears it, that's pretty crazy. <laughs> Pretty crazy. <laughs> well, who is who would be your favorite villain? Oh, that's tough to choose, man. Um, I'd have to sit down and think about it, and like, hop on Google and like look at them. Think about because you know how it started. Like immediately, <laughs> how you can think yeah. of the movies. Yeah. But um, uh, Javier Bardem in No Country for Old Men. It's a great choice. I think he's top five villain. Yeah. I think he's a really good villain. I think even like Tyler Durden's a really good villain too. Mm-hmm. I think he's awesome. Because you you don't think he's a villain until the end, then you realize that he is. He's the antagonist the whole time. Yeah, but um, I'd have to think about that. Yeah, I maybe not Tyler in the top ten list, but like Javier Bardem, ah, he's Anton Chigurh. Yeah, unbelievable. So good. Yeah, so good in that movie. I can watch that movie over and over again. Yeah, that's that's one of my favorite movies. I mean, The Joker in Dark Knight. Yeah, one of the best villains of all time. Mm. Easily, easily, that'd be a good episode. 
Well, yeah, we should definitely do that. For sure, kid. <laughs> For sure. Want to cut this? Let's cut it, man. 44 minutes. Wow, two 44-minute podcasts back-to-back. Dang. I need to drink some water. All right. That's it.